have something a little different today. Uh, it's going to be a topical message, and I'm going to have a PowerPoint, so that's why we're leaving the screen down. And if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to look at a number of different passages. But the first one that we're going to look at today is in Ephesians 4. And it will be up on the screen here in a, in a few minutes, but that's where we're going to start. So if you want to open up there, we'll kind of introduce what we're talking about today and why we're talking about it. Well, one of the things that we want to get better at is communicating as elders and praise the Lord we kind of got a second chance at kind of launching small groups because the first time we just basically said we're changing things we're going to try small groups and that's it and we didn't talk about why why are we changing why are we going this direction what's the purpose and what's our burden and we want to do that and so that's what we're going to do today is it's going to be a topical message but really focusing in on well why are we doing small groups why are we making this change what's the burden behind it what's the scriptural basis behind the burden and so kind of where we're going why we want to go there and what the priorities are that led to this and so that's why we're doing this topical message today and we're going to talk about what's the vision of a church in general what do we think about when we think about a church and what does the Bible say when it talks about a church, a group of believers, and how can we foster a healthy biblical vision of a church as we come in week to week? And so that's kind of where we're headed today, and there's going to be real three, three big burdens on our hearts as elders, why we want to move towards some small group prayer times, and and... You'll see some visuals here in just a second. So actually, let's start with the first slide. So this might be maybe a visual representation of what our culture might see as a normal, quote-unquote, church Sunday morning, which would be there's a few people. Look at all these diverse people, different giftings, personalities, different. That's why there's different shapes. And then there's just a few on a Sunday morning who exercise their gifts and everyone else is just kind of a participant down here. Not, not super connected necessarily, not super participatory, just kind of consumers. And that's kind of our culture's vision of what church is. You come in, you sit, you hear, you absorb, and you go home. And that's not the biblical vision, but just want to acknowledge that that's kind of our culture's vision. And if that's what we're hearing and receiving and have all of us, I think, most of us, 99% of us have grown up in the U.S., have kind of absorbed some of this just to acknowledge that and then ask, going from there, what do we want uh, our church, the, our, the believers here, how do we want to relate, how do we want to encourage one another and relate to one another. And what does the Bible say? So let's start with, we can go to the next slide, uh, Ephesians 4. So I'm going to read here Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the, to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I've kind of bolded and underlined some things here just to highlight uh, from this passage related to the church and how it functions. So I want you to notice that the building up of the body is each member, each person in the church building one another up. It's not a few people building uh, everyone up. It's a few people trying to help equip every person, every member, to build one another up. Until, it says, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Now skip down here to this next bold part. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what that means for us is God's plan for the church is maturity, Christ-likeness. But that happens when every member is participating, every member is equipping, every member is building one another up. And so if we go back one side, this would lead to an immature church because God's plan is that every member is needed, necessary, and useful and is leading us towards maturity. So if only a few people are exercising their gifts, then we're going to be immature because that's not God's plan. God's plan is that you and the person sitting next to you and every Christian here is building up the body. And so unless we're all participating, we're not going to be as mature. We're not going to grow up into the image of Christ, which is the goal. So if you want to go two slides ahead. Okay, next passage, very similar, from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 12 through 21 and verse 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the one body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Let's skip down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So if God's plan is every member working working together, building up the body, that leads to maturity, then we can't say, any one member can't say of themselves, well, not me, I'm not needed. My gift isn't that important. And no one else can say to another member, we don't really need you. We just need these other gifts. Highlighting the same thing from a different angle, that we need every member working towards maturity, encouraging one another, building one another up. Uh, next slide. So let's summarize all that. That's like a fire hydrant of information there. Uh, let's just summarize it. God's plan for church growth, which in this passage is talking about growth means maturity, growing up into the image of Christ, into the head, Christ-likeness. God's plan for church growth or church maturity is every different member equipped, serving, loving, and needed. Every single different member. Equipped, so that means that as we're teaching, we're trying to encourage and teach and equip you, not just to listen and digest, but to go and do, and to encourage one another. And then that you actually do that. That you, every single one of us as members, we're all doing something. We're all working towards encouraging one another, talking to one another, praying for one another in every way we know how to build one another up. Not just to do it, but in love, right? That's the greatest commandment. That we love one another. And needed. You're needed. You're not just a participant that's coming to sit and watch and is non-essential. You are essential. That's what the verse said. Uh, That's what Jesus in the scripture is teaching us, that if we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, that happens when each part, every part, is working properly so that the body can grow and build itself up in love. That the love between the members of the body as the church and each one functioning is how we're going to be a mature church and mature Christians individually. And so what that means is, Let's look at the next slide. This mindset, if, if there's any hint of this in our mind, we have to get it out, right? We have to realize this isn't the church. This isn't a healthy church. A healthy church is not just a few people exercising their gifts each week. It's everyone building one another up in love. And that's God's plan for church growth. And so if this... If our Sunday meeting was all there is and there wasn't any fellowship afterwards, it, maybe it would look like this. I'm very thankful that you know people stand around and talk and encourage one another on the Sunday meeting. But we want to foster an environment where everyone can be exercising their gifts, not just a handful each week, but every person.
person, if we have small groups and you're a part of it, you could exercise your gift, you know, like every week when you come to the prayer meeting, as you pour into one another, and then as you go to your small group and you're sharing and praying for one another, you're, you can encourage, you can build up each person. And it actually could be a situation where when, you know, like today we said, does anyone have anything to share? We just can't have everyone share every Sunday. We just would run out of time. And so in a small group, literally every member of the small group could exercise their gift, could encourage someone, could build someone up each week because there would be a smaller group and there would be enough time. And that could happen every time you meet. We want every member working towards church growth. Maturity. Now, you might go to the next slide here. It's not that we aren't disconnected. These lines we'll just call maybe like more of a personal connection. So if it was just naturally left up to us, we might form little small groups of our own. We kind of already do that, don't we? When you are struggling, maybe you text a couple people, hey, please pray for me. But in general, for me, and I think for most people, you kind of group with the people that are more like you. Personality, gifting-wise, whatever it is, you kind of... There's some people you naturally gravitate more towards, but we don't want that, right? We want um, some diversity. We want every member building up every other member, and so that means you maybe you're in a small group if you're a college student with people that are retired and with people that have kids, and if you have kids, people that kids are out of the home, and all those different members with different giftings, different stages of life, different personalities have something to offer to each and every other member. And so if we didn't do anything, this might be how it would look. We want it more diverse than that. We want more diversity in our groups. Because we all, none of us can say, the college student can't say to the retired person, I don't need you, right? And the college, uh, the retired person can't say to the college student, I don't need you, right? And every other different person, every other different stage of life, every, every other different gifting, we all need one another. That's what the, verse, the verses say, what God has said. So that's the first thing. We want every member building one another up. That's one of the reasons, and we think that small groups are a good way to facilitate that and encourage that and give an opportunity for every person, as often as they're able to do that each and every week, whether that's the small group prayer meeting or the prayer meeting with uh, men's and women's. So let's go on to the next slide. So the second burden, second reason that we we really feel like small groups are kind of the direction we want to go and why we want to go that direction are a couple of different verses here, from one from Second John and one from First Thessalonians. But let's summarize it first, and then we'll read the verses. Both loving and serving one another mean knowing one another. So I'm going to read these verses to you. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandment. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And then 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, 
but also our own selves, because you'd become very dear to us. And then one more verse here, Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So a few things here. Loving and serving one another mean that we need to know one another. If I put up a picture here of a random person in the church and said, how much do you love this person? In general, I think, the, the, your answer would depend on how well you know them. That in general, it's easier to love the people that you know better. Uh, that people in your family, you know them really well. You love them. You're close friends. You love them. And then as it goes out, you know them, if you've had one conversation with them and you don't even know what they do as a job, it's harder to love that person, um, to deeply love that person, just simply because we don't know them. And it's natural as we grow in love, just like Paul here talks about, when you love someone, you want them to know about you and you want to know what's going on with them. And so if we want every member working together to equip one another, then that means we have to know one another. If you want to love people in the church more, one, one way that would be great and that could foster that is just knowing people in the church more, knowing what's going on in their lives, knowing their, what's going on this week. You know, At a small group, you could have that opportunity to get to know. Someone could share something every week. This week, uh, would you pray for us because we are uh, starting school this week or, and we're nervous about it. Or we've got a doctor's appointment and the blood work on our kids' blood came back and it wasn't right. Would you pray for us? We're just kind of worried about it and we're struggling with anxiety. Whatever it is, knowing people better helps us to love people more. That's one thing. The other thing is, if we're going to serve and love one another, we have to know one another. right? If I'm going to bear your burdens, I can't do that unless I know what they are. I can't pray for you unless I know what's going on in your, in your life in a very specific burden-bearing way. So if I see you, I can look out at all, you know, here I see all your faces, but I can't see your burdens on your face. I could pray general things for you, but I want more than that, and the Bible talks about more than that, a bearing of one another's burdens. And so that means an opportunity to share those. In general, our prayer meetings in the past have not really facilitated that. I mean, in general, what mostly is shared is big crisis, big crisis things and not necessarily your day-to-day burdens. And so what that means is often people only share at the prayer meeting maybe once every two or three months, maybe less than that. And we want to foster a situation where that's not the case, where we can bear one another's burdens every week. And whether that's something small or something big, we can still be doing it in these small groups every week. And so that's one of the reasons we're wanting to do small groups. Loving and serving one another mean we've got to know one another. I'll give you an example, a story. I was talking to one of the ladies in the church, and um, she was telling me that she was going through a difficult time, and someone... She was telling someone about it, and that it was someone outside the church. And the person said, I'm going to pray for you every single day until this gets better. And the, the lady that was telling me about this just had tears in her eyes and basically said that made all the difference, and that meant so much. And I was thinking, that's awesome. That also made me really sad because I was thinking, 
it was sad that that came from outside the church. And I was thinking, why couldn't everyone in the church have a relationship like that, where they have someone in the church that they know they could say, this is what I'm going through right now, and somebody praying for them every day. That's a possibility, you know, with small groups. You know, if we just prayed for one family in our small group every week, you could know somebody's praying for me today, every day. That makes all the difference, just like that lady said. Just praise the Lord for that. And we want to foster an environment where that's the norm and not the exception. And so that's another reason we want to do small groups. And then finally, let's see here. Let's go on to the next slide here. Um, just remember, This is that same slide again. We want to bear one another's burdens. We can't do that in the larger meeting. We can't bear everyone's burdens like this. Everyone can't share on a Sunday. It's just not feasible. So if you want to go to the next slide, in a small group, if we split everyone into a small group, we, we actually could do that. We would be able every week for everyone to share something. And so that's, that's what we're saying we want to move towards and why we want you to sign up uh, for small groups. So last, thirdly, and finally, why is this, why are small groups the direction we want to go? And the reason is, the prior, this one's going to take a little longer to explain, but the priority of the Bible is on our daily walk. The priority of the Bible is on our daily walk. So another verse, we just same verse we just read from First John, Second John 1, Notice the word walk in verse 6. I'm going to read that again. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandment. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginnings, so that you should walk in it. And then Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Proverbs 3. Notice the word walk here. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now I'm just going to say some general things and then I'll apply them to the small group. In general, me and I think a lot of people uh, view the Christian walk a little bit different than the Bible. That I think about the Christian walk not as a walk. Which, what is a walk? A walk is something where you take one small step and then the next small step and you're going in a direction, a general direction. Sometimes I think of the Christian life more like a long jump. You run as fast as you can, you jump as far as you can, and you make these big leaps forward. But that's just not the case. That's not the Bible's view of Christianity. That's not the Bible's view of the daily walk. It is, it's described as a walk because what matters most is these monotonous, re- repetitive, small, daily intera- daily uh, actions that make a big difference. The person that runs and does the long jump, they just can't do that long term. They're not moving forward 
they're not going to move forward as consistently towards the goal, the direction, as the person who's long jumping over and over. They're going to be exhausted. Uh, and it's not glamorous, right? You getting up in the morning, reading your Bible, praying, trying to encourage one person that day, maybe you text somebody or pray for somebody, that those little things repeated over and over, one step, next step, one step, the next step, make a bigger difference in your life than some big crisis moment where you make a big decision or you make a big commitment. It's those little steps that are the priority. And you can even really see that here in Proverbs at the end. It basically says, take these little daily walk steps where you are keeping sound wisdom, where you're listening to to God and his word. And when the crisis comes, that's what's going to prepare you. Then you won't be afraid. You've been trusting the Lord. You've been walking with him. And when the crisis comes, you can continue on in that. Rather than reverse maybe oh here's this big crisis here's an opportunity to you know grow in leaps and bounds it's just the reverse have you been walking day to day have you been trusting the lord day to day or if it's marriage have you been pouring into your marriage day to day little things trying to put you know your spouse above yourself and rather than here's this big crisis let's get our marriage all fixed right now does that make sense So when the Bible talks about walk, our walk, it goes against the grain of what most Christians want. For example, I guess this is the way I would describe it. We want a vaccine, right? Here's this problem in my life, and I want a vaccine. Just give me a shot, one time, done, solved, everything's better. And so if you go into your doctor, here's this problem, I've got this problem, doctor, and you're wanting a vaccine, just give me a shot or give me a pill, and I'm all done forever. And the doctor says, well, we don't have a vaccine, but here's your daily diet for the rest of your life that you need to follow. You're kind of disappointed. It's like, well, I want a vaccine. Like, that's easier. I want to be done with this thing, and I want to see progress immediately, you know. Well, that's kind of the Christian life. We come in, here's this, let's say, marriage. You've got a crisis in your marriage, and so you, maybe you call the pastors or you call your friends and say, here, we've got this crisis in our marriage, and Ask the right questions, give us the right answers, and fix it. Like now, like we want it fixed next week. And the Bible gives you not these big crisis fixes. It gives you, well, love your wife as Christ loved the church and wife. Uh, We want you to submit to your husband and and love your children. And and it's these day-to-day diet rather than a big fix. Very different. If that's the case, okay, so the Bible focuses on the day-to-day life, not the big crisis moments as the big thing, but as you walk day-to-day with the Lord, as you put Him first, as you trust Him day-to-day in the little things, that prepares you for these crisis moments. What does that mean, let's say, at our prayer meetings where we only do pray for the crisis things in general? You know, whether that's you know, somebody having a surgery, all these things are good to pray for. But what if we're missing the big thing, right? Because what's really going to matter is not what happens when you find out, you know, you get a cancer diagnosis or something like that. What matters the most is is going to be actually, how's it been the last 52 weeks? Have you been walking, trusting the Lord day to day, listening to him, 
listening to his guidance, that that's going to make a bigger difference overall how, how you react to this big crisis moment than just the right word at that moment. And so if, if that's the case, then we need to be praying for one another in the day-to-day things. We need to be praying for one another week to week for the little daily walk because that really is the big thing. And when the crisis comes, I think we're going to be thankful that we have a small group that has been praying for us every day, day in and day out for the little things. Once the big thing is there, then we've got this group we've already been walking with, this group that already has been bearing our burdens, and encouraging us in trusting the Lord for the past 52 weeks that we can lean on. The other thing I want to maybe ask you to think about is this. Considering these big crisis moments versus the day-to-day, what are the really the biggest burdens? I think for me, if you added up all the little daily burdens, that those really are the big burdens, right? That those add up to more than this one hard thing one week that I ask for prayer for and then I don't ask again for, you know, eight more weeks. That every day going to your job or maybe there's a difficult person at work or maybe, you know, little the little things that worry you week to week, you know, um, if your kid, if you're raising kids, your kid starts biting, and that that really concerns you. It's like, man, my kid is biting other kids. They're biting us. It's like, what well, we've we've tried all these things. We're really concerned. We don't want our kid growing, going to high school biting somebody. <laughs> and those little things over the years, uh, those are big things, and they weigh on you, and they're important. They're really important. And I want support, me personally, and I want you to be supported and people to be praying for you. And that's something, just to be transparent, that we wouldn't really share at our prayer meetings in the past. Just That's just how it hasn't really been. That's not really been the culture. And so we want to foster an environment where it's normal to say, my kid's been biting and we're worried about it. And... When you say that in a prayer meeting and, the, and everything else has been life-threatening, it kind of feels like maybe I shouldn't share this. And so that's why we want to foster these small groups where this is the norm. Now, one other quick note here, just in general about maybe church, quote-unquote, philosophy or vision. If this is true, that the day-to-day life the daily walk with Jesus where you're denying yourself, that's the big thing, and that's going to inform how you react in the crisis moments, then that changes how we as elders and pastors pastor. Because we're not, quote-unquote, like an EMT or something. So here here comes, you know, like the marriage example is a good example. You've got a difficulty in your marriage. It's unrealistic for you and for me to think that me coming in I'm going to solve it. I'm going to give you the right verse, the right question, the right steps, um, and that's going to fix it all, and your marriage is going to be great. That's not, that's not the priority of the pastor. If that's what I'm trying to do all the time is put out these big crises, what I'm doing is missing the big thing. Because actually what I want is to pour into you before there's a crisis and say, hey, are you, you know, are you daily, you know, giving your wife a, a hug and a kiss and saying you appreciate her? And are you 
trusting the Lord each day with how you act towards your wife, that those, you know, like I keep saying, 52 weeks of that is going to do more than just some really great advice once when there's a crisis. And so as pastors, we want to focus in and prioritize the daily walk of the Christian life. Not that we don't want to be there when there's a crisis. We don't want to try and help. But the most helpful thing we can do is to be pouring in and emphasizing your daily walk all along the way. And when that crisis comes, you're going to react differently if you've been thinking every day when you wake up for the past 365 days, today's not about me. Today's about Jesus. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my priorities. I want to follow Jesus today. I want to take up my cross today. And I want to love others today. That's going to make all the difference when you get into the crisis. And so that as pastors, we want to emphasize that. Your daily walk is what really matters. And we want to be there for you when things get hard. But more than that, we want to make sure we're pouring in and emphasizing your daily walk. Because it would be like a shepherd, right? The pastors are, con- are called shepherds. It would be like a shepherd only going to the sick sheep. Okay, So here's this sheep that's sick. And not making sure that all the sheep are just eating every day. There's going to be a lot of sh- sick sheep if all the sheep aren't eating, right? you got to focus on that too, you know? And so that's what we're trying to do. You know, We're trying to say, hey, how can we foster a community where people are all involved, all bearing one another's burdens, all using their gifts, and really focusing in on your day-to-day walk with the Lord and not just us, but every single person in the church is encouraging one another in that so that we can grow up into the image of Jesus. And I'm going to end, let's see if you want to go to the next slide here. I'm going to end with a story. I've got, I just want to recap what we're saying. This is what we want, rather than the disconnected consumer mentality where we, we you come... You hear, you go home, you don't participate. We want you to be connected. We want you to be connected with a small group. And that doesn't mean you're not more connected with other people. You might have a best friend, you know, that you're more connected with, and that's great. But we want you to be connected with a small group of people that are walking with you in the day-to-day Christian life, bearing your burdens. And that it's a mutual encouragement. It's not an arrow coming down, just a few people exercising their gift. It's every member of the body encouraging one another because we all need one another. And we're trying to foster that. We want to bear one another's burdens means we've got to know one another's burdens. And so all that is to say we want this small group to be edifying and we want it to help you in the long run. It may not be this leap forward. When you go to the first small group, you may not be come home and think, wow, I just grew 10 years in Christian maturity. But every week in and week out, as you're walking with the Lord yourself and you're trying to encourage one another, you're going to grow. And so, next slide here. This is just a kind of a side note that relates, but we just want to put this out here. As pastors, we're trying to prioritize that. We're we're trying to not just have the Sunday meeting where we hit everyone, kind of the big umbrella. We want that. We want expositional preaching. We want to share from the word. We want to worship together. But we also want the small groups where there's an elder in every group. And we know, you know, three, four, five families a lot better and are praying for them every week. We want that. And I just am not going to know you very well if I just come up here and talk and look at your face, right? I want to know what's going on. And, and then beyond that, so that's kind of 
I guess we could call this tier one where we hit everyone. Tier two is a smaller group where each elder is pouring into a, a community and you're bearing my burden, I'm bearing your burden, and we're, we know one another. And then we want to have individual visits. And so we're not only wanting to do that, but we're wanting to visit, all the elders visit the families on a consistent rotational basis. Like I want to make sure every year I, I visit with every family, whether that's you come over to my house or I meet you for lunch or whatever, we all want to do that. And so any one of the levels missing would be incomplete. You know, we want all. We want, I want to know some of you better, and I see you every week, and same for David and Andy, and I want, we want that for you. And not only that, we want to individually visit where it's not just a small group, but we want to, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How can we be praying for you? And so that's kind of the overarching vision, how do small groups fit into the whole whole church, um, where we're going and what our priorities are. So this is a recap, last slide, uh, two, actually there's two slides. We don't, uh, yeah, go back one, sorry, my fault. Um, obviously we don't do PowerPoints very often. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, so we don't want this model, right? Because what it's going to be is you're coming, you're an observer, you're not connected, and really, honestly, you, you might feel unnecessary. Like, well, why? I'm here, I'm, I'm coming, and I'm absorbing, but am I really essential? Uh, if you're just sitting and you're not connected, of course you would feel like that. And then you'd also begin to feel ineffective. Well, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here. I'm not causing the body to grow. We don't want that. And what it would lead to is immaturity, right? Because this isn't God's plan for the church. It's every member building one another up in love. And then unbalanced, right? We'd be unbalanced if just a few people are always exercising their gifts and we're not all pouring into one another. Well, we're going to miss, you know, some piece of the as, uh, aspect of the image of Christ that we're supposed to be growing into. Just like this message, you know, just trying to pour out, well, why do we want to do small groups? What's the basis? Where are we going? That's all because one of the you know brothers said, "Hey, you know what? It'd be good if we knew like of more of where we're going, why we're going there." And we're like, "Yeah, that probably would be good." It's you know someone in the body coming to us and telling us, "Hey, you don't communicate that well on these big picture things." And looking back and thinking, "You're right. We don't. We need to do better." You know, and so it's each member causing the body to grow. And next slide, then this would be the, the model we want, which is you're, you are a participant every week. You're essential. You're not just sitting here. You are an essential part of the body. You, we're united. It's not just this disconnected group sitting and listening. We're united and we're active. You're doing something. You're saying something to somebody every week. Hey, I'm praying for you. This verse encouraged me this week. This is what's been challenging me. This is how you can be praying for me. And that would lead to maturity and lead us to be more balanced. Um, and so I'm going to end it with a story that was helpful. I just did kind of an illustration of this from history, Christian history. There was a pastor, his name was Mr. Elliot, and this is um, back in the 1800s, and they were wanting to build a school for the children of poor 
pastors. So they were wanting to build this school because there was this need. There was all these children that um, didn't have a school, and they wanted the pastors to be able to send their kids there and kind of have it be free. And so this guy, Mr. Elliot, he's a pastor. He, had a, he has a burden for this, and he wanted to build it. This is in England. And so he's having kind of projects and fundraisers and these things to try and basically get money so he can have this ministry. And all this time, Mr. Elliot has a sister, and she is actually an, an invalid, is what they called her at the time. Just She's sick. She's in bed basically all the time. She's always feeling sick. She doesn't get out much, and she was just feeling down, like, I can't really help. You know, I'm, the words are feelings of uselessness and despair. So it's like, I'm not essential. I'm not important. I don't have anything to offer. And I wish I could help in this. And so that's how she's feeling. And she decides that she's going to write a poem or hymn to, tr to try and sell so that she could uh, help fund this school her brother's working towards. And so she wrote a hymn, and it's called Just As I Am. And uh, it's really good. I'm sure you guys know it. Just As I Am without one plea. But that... Thy blood was shed for me, and thou, did bids me, da, thou biddest me come to thee, Lamb of God, I come. It's one of the most uh, sung hymns in history, right? A lot of churches sing it every week at the end of the message. It's kind of interesting. Um, and so she wrote that hymn, and her brother said, Miss Elliot felt so helpless in her desire to aid this project. Um, interestingly enough, this one hymn from the pen of the pastor's wife brought in more money than all the projects combined, all the other projects combined. And the brother, Mr. Elliot, said this, in the course of a long ministry, I hope to have been permitted to see some fruit of my labors, but I feel more has been done by a single hymn of my sister. So he said, basically, here's this, here's my sister who felt like she couldn't help at all, and this one thing she did to help this one project that he had, he felt like it had a bigger impact than his whole ministry. And think about that. What if she hadn't written that? You know, what if she had thought, yeah, I'm not important, I'm not essential, I can't be a help, and she never wrote it. It says, it goes on to talk about how she got thousands of letters of people, how much this hymn meant to her and how it changed our life. And think about us as a church. What if each one of us doesn't do something, doesn't encourage someone, doesn't say something, doesn't pray for somebody? How much are we missing out each week when, if we're not exercising our gifts? You don't know what's, what it's, God's going to use, what you say, or even just saying, like what one of the sisters said, just the person saying, I'm going to pray for you every day, how much that meant. You have a role in the body of Christ. Don't feel like you're not needed. You are needed. Don't feel like this week doesn't matter. It does matter. You have no idea what, what it's going to do. And even you may feel like this lady. You know, She felt like she wasn't help, useful. You may find that in exercising your gifts, you realize, wow, this is where I fit in in the body of Christ. This is how I can be pouring into others. And maybe it's not. You know, she couldn't get up and organize this, but she wrote this hymn, and it encouraged people's hearts. And you've got a gift, and you have a place in this church 
to that's necessary, important, and will help each one of us to grow in the image of Christ. And so that's the burden, larger burden, but also the burden of why we feel like we want to do small groups. We want to foster that. And so let's pray together. Father, just thank you so much for time to get together, and I just pray that this would be helpful and that the small groups would be helpful. I pray you'd help us just to be more and more knit together, more and more um, conformed to the image of your Son. And Father, uh, we do thank you that you sent your Son to die for us and bring us in through the blood of Jesus into the body of Christ. We lift up uh, this fellowship time after this. pray we would be able to encourage one another. I pray if there's anybody who feels... Um, unnecessary that you would just pour in grace into their heart just to see how important they are and I pray that we would more and more be more like Jesus and that be more encouraged more sharpened iron sharpening iron each week we pray you'd help us we pray you'd help us to be um, vulnerable and to share our burdens and we need help in that too we end all these things to you, or thank you that we're able to meet together, or thank you for being able to sing together, and we hand this time to you. Amen.